Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast, where we help you get clarity, build skills, enhance your character, curate your environment, take daily massive action, and develop a positive mindset. Join our community by heading over to workwithtimmydouglas.com and get our free book and list of questions that will help you build an impactful and purposeful life. Enjoy the show. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Jason Pike, who served 31 years in the U.S. Army and is the author of A Soldier Against All Odds. Jason, how you doing? Hey, doing good, Tim. Uh, appreciate I'm really honored to be on your show and to talk about my life in the Army and my book. Yeah, yeah, man. We're happy to have you. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with just telling us before we jump into your story and past of the army just a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun oh what i like to do for fun is i love to go to the gym work out on an electrical and uh i go out and walk the dogs a good bit and and i really enjoy i don't a lot of the gyms have this sauna and i'll go into the sauna and do sit-ups and then uh yeah i just enjoy the gym and staying fit yeah (laughs) you do sit-ups in the sauna huh oh yeah i do sit-ups in the sauna and then you get really, so I lived nine years overseas. And one of the things, I, what happens a lot overseas is they have these saunas and it's a, it could be a hot bath. It could be a hot air. And then you go from there into the cold water. It could be a shower or a swimming pool. And it just makes you feel really good and refreshed. I enjoy that. Mm. So do you go from sauna to cold shower here too? Sure do. Uh, and now uh, in uh, San Antonio, Texas, they have a facility where it's an ice bath. You can go, well, a very, very cold bath. So you go from a sauna to an ice bath and it's just mental. It ain't going to, it ain't going to mess you up. And it just really is very f- refreshing. If I don't have that around, it'll just be from a sauna and a gym to a cold shower. Yeah. I got you. Jason, you're in San Antonio, huh? San Antonio, Texas. And uh, I forgot where you were at. I'm right in Austin. Okay, okay, you're right down the road. Now in Austin, they've got a facility called Prespire. There's a few of them, Prespire, and there's a uh, they have a uh, you watch TV. They've got internet, and you can do the same thing in Austin. They've got a few of those facilities. I got you. I'm gonna have to see if my my wife will want to ever swing by. That's not her <laughs> ideal idea of a date, but <laughs> for sure. Well, cool, man. Tell us a little bit more about what your day to day looks like. Are you? mainly like retired and just advertising the book or you got other stuff going on? I'm retired from the U S army. I did 31 years, nine years were overseas right now. I have just completed a book. First book I've ever done. I'm advertising it on podcast and speaking events. So pretty much that's my day to day. Uh, It could be from 10 hours a, a week to, you know, only five. So it's not a whole lot of work, but I'm sort of retired and also working a little bit. I gotcha. There we go. Well, tell us a bit more about the book and some of the highlighted stories in there. Well, it's a life spent in the Army. What what sets this memoir and story up a little bit different, I feel, than other stories is that it's not all blood and guts. It's a life lived 31 years in the Army. Yes, a lot of it was overseas. Yes, there was a lot of danger. There's a lot of stories in that. Went to Afghanistan and things like that, but it's not really all blood and guts. It's more of just living a life and having the normal ups and downs. I had probably more downs, failures, and fiascos than most of your viewers out there. So I'm just looking, I'm just trying to get that story across to others to give them uh, inspiration and hope and whatever phase of life that they're in. 
I gotcha. And would you say that was your motivation behind the book to give inspiration and hope? Inspiration, hope, survival. And the reason I wanted to set it up this way is because everyone looked at me as someone who screwed up a lot and like, how in the hell did you get through this and get through that? whether it be arrests, investigations, or literally just drowning in shit, which I almost did. So it really was a whole lot of different things put together. And when you see that, it's just really set up a little differently than other memoirs. I got you. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. Uh, tell us about the arrests, the investigations, and the drowning in crap. Okay, one bigger, okay, I had about four different arrests, and I've been kicked, on, nearly kicked out of the Army three different times. One of the most serious times that I was arrested, and we understand a driving under the influence of alcohol is considered a bad thing in civilian life. That's kind of, but in the military, they really are much, much more strict. It's a zero defect. You do, you do drugs or alcohol, you get caught with the uh, police, you're pretty much out of there. And that's pretty much known that you're going to get out of there. Well, I was in San Antonio and I was a young captain many years ago. I did get caught DUI and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big, big deal. I mean, you're going to, we know that you're going to be kicked out. Well, uh, the situation was I was in a restaurant and well, I was drinking and driving, but I was in a restaurant at the time when a police was outside of the restaurant waving me to come out into the parking lot. So I thought he really needed help because his lights were on and he was waving, getting my eye contact. So I ran out there and he says, you've been drinking? I said, yeah. He says, you've been, is that your car over there? I said, yeah. He says, well, let's do a test, did a test. Bottom line, he cuffed me, stuffed me, sent me downtown to San Antonio. And from there, the military police uh, got a hold of me, brought me back to my commander, and I faced the wind. At the time, I knew that I was pretty much going to be kicked out of the military. But uh, someone started to tell me, he says, if you want to appeal it, it's a long shot, but it'll take two or three years and some expense. And you can get a lawyer and go through an, a lengthy appeals process. Civilian? was not a problem. I, I, I kind of got off of, off of the civilian route pretty easy, but the military was a bigger deal. Most people that looked at the situation said they couldn't believe how I went through two and a half years of appeal processes with the military. Uh, eventually, it was expunged and it was taken off my record, but that right there, it, that was a big, big deal, and I avoided being kicked out of the military. Uh, I had to go. It was a lengthy process and a lot of paperwork. Now I'm getting so, right Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm so confused why the officer, like while you were sitting in the restaurant, <laughs> brought you out and said, "Have you been drinking?" That doesn't make any sense to me. There's two thoughts that we have in mind on that. One thought is he was already there in the parking lot and just saw me pull in and assumed that I was drinking. He, or another thought would be that he followed me. And maybe thought I was speeding. I wasn't charged with speeding, but he followed me, maybe thought I was drinking. I went into the restaurant and went in and he, he was able to wave me out. Those are just two thoughts. Um, he, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's, a, that's really right. I mean, I, I've never had that situation or heard of it in my life, but um, I did. I walked in like a dumbass into a DUI because I could have just stayed in the restaurant or I could have just, you know, but because I was not pulled over on the side of the road. It was, I was in the restaurant. So that's, that's just, that's just crazy. But uh, a lot of you viewers out there don't know that it's a really big deal. And a lot, 
most people are not going to survive that. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you already have your food? Were you already sitting down or had you like just walked in? I was, I had walked in and I was in the queue where you're looking at the menu. And I remember off to the right, I saw, I did, I saw, a, I saw the red lights and, I, and he was waving at me to come out. So I can't, I went out and I do remember getting the sobriety test was right there in the parking lot. So I was, I'd already parked the car. I was already in the restaurant and, but he says, you've been drinking and I I didn't think that was a, I didn't think, you know, okay, well, yeah, I, yeah, I was, yeah, I was drinking. Yeah. But I guess he saw me driving, but you had to get an attorney and go through about two inches of paperwork that I'm valuable to the army. I have, uh, you know, I have skills and all this, the needs to the military, but it was a lengthy, lengthy process. And at the time I was very embarrassed. I had to apologize to the U S army and to my commander and write in writing and tell them that, you know, I, I was a screw up and I faced the wind on that and eventually got it expunged. But the DUI was just the embarrassment. And then the aftermath, after a day or two, it was embarrassment. But the procedures of the two-year deal, um, that was the, a process and perseverance and just survival, motion after motion after appeal after appeal. You just had to go through a process. Most of that would probably wear down. Most people would just say, forget it. I'm not going to do it. But, but I just kept on with it. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in that two-year ordeal, first, you weren't active military during that time were you yes i was active military oh okay okay and and not only not only that i had moved away from san antonio and i was living in maryland because it was a different we in the military we sort of move around from place to place so i had to fly in from maryland to get my motions and my appeals so i wasn't locally i had moved away because it was a yeah yes that's that's that was something else um my you know looking back i don't think a lot of people would just deal with any of that stuff. I, I would think most people would say, well, it's off. I got it off my civilian record or it's, you know, a taken care of. And, uh, but I went through the entire process of trying to get it expunged out of the record. Uh, that took a while, but it wasn't necessarily expunged out of my military record. Uh, it was expunged out of the civilian record. The military held onto it in a restricted type of a file, which was allowed me to go through the, my career in the military. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. Okay. That is so interesting. It was very embarrassing and I didn't ever want to talk about it. When I wrote this book up, uh, you have to vomit up everything you got. You, most people want to see, I mean, I can tell you that I'm a decorated combat veteran with lots of degrees and, and you'll see my uniform, but to show also that I've had issues and problems along the, the way, that's not a popular thing for a lot of senior people to want to talk about, but, um, oh yeah, I've had my uh, situations, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. Well, what kept you in the U S army for 31 years? I feel like a lot of people are kind of in and out in four in and out in eight, something like that. That's what most people exactly. Most people are. So I guess you could say 31 years with, well, probably 24 would be total active and maybe about eight years, maybe seven or eight years was actually a reserve time. That would be, the National Guard. So I went through National Guard for a period of years and then ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, that I went full-time in 92 and stayed over you know, 20 years. And so, yes, so it was 31, but not totally active. At the time when I got in trouble and, and a lot of other times there, there was, there, I was active 
most people uh, do not serve. You're right. Most people's put in their four years, six years, seven years. It can be a hard life on the family and on yourself with deployments and movements. And so uh, I think uh, a figure I saw was about only maybe 17% of the people that join actually serve 20. And, uh, but you're right. Most of them is just three, four, five years now. Yeah. Yeah. So what kept you in for 31? You just loved it or? I felt that was the only option I had. I had already, I had been diagnosed as a learning uh, challenged or learning disabled person from Emory University in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, when I was seven years old. Reading and writing are my worst subjects. I failed the first grade. Oh, by the way, I'm an author. Go figure that one out. <laughs> but uh, so at the time, I thought, well, I joined when I was 17. And I thought, you know, you either go to college or you can go into the military. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try the military. And once I graduated basic training at the age of seven, well, 18 at the time, I said, this is pretty much what I think I might want to stay in. And uh, I didn't want to go back to civilian life because, well, another story is I'd been fired from two different civilian jobs in the past. So I didn't think civilian life would work out for me that well. And so I stayed in the military. Yeah. I got you. I got you. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, tell us about the... Um... Time where you almost drowned in crap. I want to hear about that one too. Yeah, sometimes um, in the military we have this term of, um, you know, well in life you up shit creek or I'm neck deep in shit. This is used as a term and you're in a bad place in life or a bad time in life. But for me, it it was literally I, I literally almost drowned in it and died. And it the location and I'll tell you the situation. The location was in South Korea. I served a lot of times overseas. South Korea, we go there to defend the region. St troops are there now. They've been there for many, many years. So I was there conducting an exercise at night, uh, land navigation. Land navigation is a skill uh, we need to demonstrate to show that we're competent uh, following a map and a military, using a, a compass and a map. And there was other soldiers that were out there at night alone and we're doing night land navigation we do we did a lot of extras day in but we did at this time it was night um they told us that these rice paddies on there's certain rice paddies they have ditches filled with feces or shit this is night soil it's it's used to fertilize crops out there and if you fall into it you're going to get medevaced out because it's a medical emergency um regardless but um well, I was walking along at night alone, like other people looking, doing the exercise. Well, I could smell it. I knew to stay away from it. I slipped on some shit, fell on my back and slid into the pond or like a ditch. I was up to my neck in it and I couldn't get out. Um, my, my equipment was dragging me down. We have a lot of equipment. We have our load bearing equipment. We have our rifle and we have, you know, other things on us. Uh, and that was bringing me down. I could, I was gagging. I could smell the gag reflex was there <clears throat> and uh, I, I didn't want to drown like this. And I was thinking in my mind that I've never had a family. And I, I was feeling I've never had, I was only in my twenties and I never had a wife or, you know, any family uh, and children. And I thought I can't die like this. I mean, my last name is Pike. 
and I didn't want to be known as poop and pike or pike dies and poop. And uh, I, I could, I could tell that could be a headline. And so uh, I was, uh, I was feeling really bad and down at that time. And I started to just explore the caterpillar motion of just, it was like quicksand material. So what I did was a caterpillar move very, very slowly to make it up on top and then slowly come out, making sure my, my nose and my mouth stayed above and I could have, and I, I eventually very slowly got out and then I laid on my back and I looked up at the stars and I said, God, why do you do this shit to me? Why do I do that? Why do I have this situation like this? But I felt relieved also that I'd made it out alive. And uh, there was no lights. We didn't have any lights with us. We, you can't in the military. We don't shine lights to get around. We have to be, you know, we have to have stealth and things. And so um uh, at that time, I faced another problem is I had, to, I had to find a way to get cleaned up a little bit and get back to camp without anybody knowing because I don't want to be known as pooping pike and I'll be ragged. Everybody's going to be on my ass about this and I'll be known for that forever. So I had to find a way to keep it a secret, which is kind of difficult when you're in the army. Everybody, you're kind of surrounded by a lot of different people and things. And there was other people out there looking around for their points on a map. So what I did is I saw a light out there and I knew it wasn't a soldier because we don't have lights, but I saw a light out there, started walking toward the light. At, at the time when I was walking toward that light, I didn't know if I was walking toward heaven or hell, but uh, I found out that it was a farmer's house out there. And uh, I, so I said, well, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go over there. They don't speak English and they're probably not going to be talking to soldiers out here. So I went and knocked on the door and uh, and uh, Ajima, the woman of the house, looks at me and goes, Agu, Agu, Agu. And I go, Anyahaseo, Anyahaseo. And English was not necessary because I was covered in shit. And we kind of knew that this was sort of an emergency situation. They knew that I was an American soldier. And so there was a lot of hand motioning and waving at the time. And uh, she, she, she motioned me to strip naked and give her my, my stuff, my equipment. So I stripped naked in front of a complete stranger that doesn't speak English, a woman of the house. I gave her everything except my rifle, my map, and my compass. So um, barefoot naked. And she, she motioned that she was going to find me out there. I figured she knew where to go. This was where she lived. And find me that next morning and give it back to me clean. And then, um, and uh, so I gave her everything and I walked about a mile or so naked back to the camp. Now, when I was walking back naked to the camp with my rifle, map, and compass, I also stayed away from anybody else that was out there moving around. I didn't want this, I didn't want them to see me naked or that would give up the secret. And of course, even if I got next to them, they could probably smell me. So I stayed away from them. And once I got back to camp, I cleaned up a little bit more, went to sleep, and she found me that next morning and gave me my equipment and everything. And it was a secret. Now, I was, I, I took my stuff outside in the woods and she found me out there sleeping. And uh, so, uh, but, uh, so no one knew about it except one person who didn't say anything because he was a good friend. And, uh, but other than that, uh, I, I survived uh, two things. I, I saved my life from shit, drowning and shit. And then number two, I got back, I saved my face. I saved my face. So a lot, two things went right that night, but I failed that course, but I went on to take it another two times later on and, and, and finally uh, got the badge that I was trying to get. So that's a, that's a story of pooping pike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so clear up 
how she got it back to you without other people figuring out? Did you meet her outside the camp? So what I did was there, we had a tent where everybody was in the big tent. It was a, a GP medium. So what I did was I moved my stuff out at night. Uh, well, before, see, they, I made it back to camp before they made it back on their exercise. And then I moved my stuff out maybe 50 yards away under a tree. And I slept out under a tree with my cot. And um, she came back around 530 that morning before everybody was waking up and gave me all of my uh, clothes and, and, and equipment that was, you know, that was all fresh. And so, uh, yes. So, uh, so before, so they, she didn't come into the tent because that, that would have given it away. So I, I took my stuff out of the tent, you know, when I got out now, people, when they came in, they didn't notice I was gone. All right. So, but I was gone out of the tent. I had taken it over somewhere else to sleep outside under the stars. I probably just gave them an excuse that I didn't want to be under the stars or something, or I wanted to be out under the stars instead of the tent, the big tent we had. So, but it was from, so when they got back that night, I would assume it would be 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And I'm sure they were dead tired and just wanted to go to sleep. And I was already out of the tent under the stars somewhere away from them. And they came, she came in, just happened to come in uh, and give me it to about early that morning before they woke up. So yeah, that was a, yeah, that's a good one. That's, I like that question. That's the first time I've had that one, that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got that's you. right. Yeah. Oh, dude, that is so, so interesting. Well, tell us about, tell us about some of the other, so those are kind of the extreme downs. Tell us about some of the other kind of just, um, you know, not as extreme, but just life in the military type of stories. Life in the military, uh, for the most part, I, I did very well. I got a lot of badges. I jumped out of airplanes. I was in a special forces group. Um, uh, like Navy SEALs? Not Navy SEALs. I was a support officer with the Green Berets. I was oh. support with the, the snake. We call them the snake eaters, the special operators of the army. And I was in a, but one, one time I got selected to serve as support. I got to say the word support. I was with them. I jumped with them. I lived with them. I ate with them. Um, and we, we had a lot of, it was a great time. It was a great fit. They were a great group of people. I enjoyed it very, very much. Um, I almost went into full-time special operators, special forces, but I saw a lot of people that were broken up in their thirties and forties, the parachute jumps or the falls or the mistakes, or maybe just, you know, rookie, you have a lot of weight on, you have to demonstrate uh, ruck, ruck marching ability with a pack on your back that wears you down over a period of time. Even if you're physically fit, there's a wear and tear on you. And I saw a lot of that and I, I, I love the culture, but the physical uh, aspect of it, I seen too many people that were just injured that you probably don't see it, that were, you know, just the aches and pains of people maybe in their seventies, but they were in their thirties, maybe early forties. And I said, I didn't want to, I visioned myself not being broken down so early in life. So I didn't join special forces as far as a full-time gig. Yeah. But it, it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah. I gotcha. What is the most um, useful skill that you learned in the army that can be extrapolated to civilian life? Uh, trying to plan ahead and think ahead as far as where you want to go and what you want to do, uh, setting a goal and sort of working toward that goal, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I used a calendar. I became a pretty good planner of my own personal and professional life. So a lot of people can be procrastinators and they do things maybe at the last minute or maybe they study for the test, you know, uh, 
one week before, but uh, in the, in the military, I think just in life in general, if you can somehow look and see some goal or a vision that you want to do, just like writing my book, I, I visioned it years ago and it, I just came through the, it took two to three years or it could be anything else. And you just sort of make little baby steps towards that goal, vision it on a calendar, put it on a calendar or wherever you want to put it and vision that you want to go to a place at a certain time. And, uh, now, it may not always be perfect, but at least you got a plan. There's a, it, all plans have a tendency to go downhill sometimes, but you want to see a vision or somewhere that you want to go and, and work toward that goal. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Just goal setting and discipline sounds like. Yeah, goal setting and discipline. I was uh, I was good at, uh, at that. I, uh, and I wasn't great uh, as academics, uh, but I worked on it and I was a little bit slower than most. And uh, I can guarantee you, I probably made lower on my SAT scores than most of your viewers out there. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go to the best college. You can go to a small community college and then, or, or tra and transfer in somewhere. I mean, I know that you're in Austin and I think one of the big, you know, one of the big colleges there that's really hard to get into is, I forgot the name of it, but it's in Austin. UT and, Austin? UT Austin, UT Austin. Yeah. And so, but I, I would think if somebody wanted to go to UT Austin, my thoughts would be go to a small community college and gain up a good GPA and try to transfer in. Now, I didn't go to UT Austin, but I went to Clemson University, the, the Tigers, but I had to go, I couldn't get in there. I had to go to somewhere else, a community college and transfer in. So, yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Well, cool. Jason, tell us about your dreams and goals, vision for the rest of your life in the book. So my, I would like to be a great podcaster, which you're helping me out right now is to yeah. practice, to practice. I'd like to be a great podcaster to tell my story. I'd like to be speaking maybe at a Ted talk of, of some sorts, maybe down the road after I build up right now, I'm just going small, going small, practicing and going through podcasts. And then uh, get into that speaking venue a little bit more and then maybe another book along the way having to do with veterans administration getting your benefits with the veterans group so those are my goals of what I, I want to do so far I've done very very well um, financially and planning you talked about planning I've done I've done the stock markets I've done that I've done I've participated in the individual retirement plan so I'm good with that I pretty much achieved what I want on the financial scale. So now I want to give back inspiration, hope, and uh, persistence and crazy stories uh, with this book or uh, with other books. I could do a second part of the book or I could do a, I could do a, a, a micro version of it to get the word out even better because everybody's attention span seems to come down. And I understand that. So there's a, there's a few things I've got on my plate I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. <laughs> and so being the army for 31 years was your housing and food costs pretty much paid for for that whole time so the good thing about so yes uh the housing you get a housing allowance so if you're stationed in los angeles california or new york city your housing allowance goes up to whatever that average rent is and that's what they give you tax free so your housing is done and your food is done so they'll give you a food allowance as well but the housing is where they really do it. You don't have to rent. You can buy a house. And then um, so uh, and, and, and that's probably my recommendation is buy the house and then rent it out later. But uh, but yes, those are two of the things. So when you look at a military pay scale, you can Google it. Sometimes you're not factoring in 
the housing allowance and the food allowance because you did, you're just looking at the base pay and the base pay is not just all the pay. There's more pay too than just the base pay, but you're exactly right about that. Yeah. Is the base pay typically around the median American salary or is it less or is it more? Uh, the base pay is going to be around the median salary of your degree. If you don't, if you came in, like, for example, uh, as a college, like for, if you had a four year degree, you will come in as a second lieutenant. Um, and that would be your entry level job that most people would have uh, when they come out of college. So it'll be equivalent to that type of rate. And so uh, and then they'll add on your housing allowance in general. The army, the military does a good job compensating for what your skill level would be if you were in that type of job in civilian society, whether you be a doctor or veterinarian, whether you just be a sergeant, whether you be a beginner enlisted personnel, you know, a beginning enlisted when you join would be a menial worker, someone like McDonald's. But you'll, 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 my nephew joined years ago and I told him that he's making more money than McDonald's because even though he was the lowest ranking person there, he couldn't figure it out because I told him you've got, just like you said, you've got your housing allowance taken care of, you've got your food allowance taken care of, and you're just looking at your base pay you don't understand there's more expenses in life than just that base pay but yeah that's kind of what they do yeah mm -hmm. i gotcha i gotcha that's awesome that's awesome yeah it sounds like you could be set up real well if you have a good investing mind and you're disciplined with it you could be set up real well by now really yeah good. and really just um going early going in early uh don't procure, even if it's fifty dollars a month a hundred dollars a month i think now what they have is you have to get into the thrift savings plan. At the time, it was an option, but I think they want you to do that and have a, an allotment that comes out. Once you get out, they want you to be somehow uh, invested in the stock market or conservative or whatever, because they don't want you just to get out with anything. But um, yeah, that's kind of what, yeah, you could be set up and it's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, so really, uh, I kind of go with the basic philosophy of investment is just general stock market, mutual funds every month, just put something into it. And uh, after a while, that's the thing, after a period of time, you'll see it grow. It, it may not grow in two, three years, but you'll see a compounding thing occur, which is compound interest. And I speak about that uh, in the book as well, as far as how that works, you know, just a little bit on that. Yeah, I love it. All right. So for dreams and goals, we got be a great podcaster, tell your story, speaking at a TED talk and writing another book for Veterans Administration. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Yes, that's what I'm looking at. Sounds good. Well, what are the top one to two skills that you need to develop right now, if any, to make this dream life come true? Well, I'm going to I'm on Podmatch. I'm considered number two pod uh, podcaster on Podmatch. I, that's according to their website. Um, I'll, I will continue to do that. I'll continue to refine my skills through practicing. Um, a year ago today, you would not see me speaking the way I am right now. Uh, I have been working on this because I've got in my book, it's not just the written part, it's the audio book, it's Kindle. So for a, uh, last year, I spoke more uh, into a uh, machine for my book than I have spoken in my entire life. I can guarantee you that. And so I have been practicing on this over and over. I am the narrator and I am the author, but I'll just continue to refine it. Maybe try to talk slower than when I'm talking to you now, if I can do that. And so that's kind of what my, that's my goals. Yeah. 
Okay. So refine the podcasting and speaking skills through continuous practice. Yes, exactly. All righty. Well, what are the highest impact daily actions that are going to tick the needle forward towards these dreams and goals? It's, you know, I, I am not an expert in social media, but if somehow this can knock out on social media, I've got a Facebook site. Um, I may, I'm looking at getting more of like, I've got, I don't know if I need to get on Instagram and Twitter as well. I'm going to be checking on that with some people uh, this week. Um, if I, I guess you get a, a following, uh, people get the word out of Jason Pike. They'll see him and other podcasts, other media events. Uh, they might say, okay, this guy's credible. Maybe this is a guy to talk to. Uh, I work on that uh, pretty much every week. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I got you. I got you. Mm -hmm. Social media marketing. Yep, sure. And do you stick to organic or are you doing any paid ads or anything like that? I do a little bit of paid ads through Amazon ads. And I also have some paid ads in Facebook. So there's some pays that I've got an entire, uh, I've got an entire website. Well, Facebook uh, has about over 400 followers just for this book and to see what I'm doing, what I'm doing here, what I'm doing there. And they're just kind of following uh, me. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, I do both. I do paid ads, uh, both with Amazon. Uh, of course, I got a website that just, my website connects me to the Facebook. Yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. And what character trait do you most need to develop right now to make your dream life come true? I need to work on being more out there uh, instead of behind a computer, getting and uh, going up to maybe organizations, events, and talking to people behind without being around a computer. And I, I have, I was recently with some, I, I recently gave my book to some buddies that I have in South Carolina. And I just didn't know where they were at. I just looked them up on white pages and I just threw the book into their box, uh, their mailbox on the side of the road and put my phone number in there. And they called me up and says, Hey man, I, I, I know this organization. So I need to get out there a little bit more differently to find some of these folks because they have other people they know, and it may not always be on social media. They may have a big church group or things of that nature. So I've been developing contacts, uh, doing that, J just the old crazy fashion way on the side of the road. But because uh, I don't know where a lot of these guys are that I was really good friends with in the past. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 Well, if there are one or two people that you can meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take that next step towards your dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help you? Well, I dedicate this book to my father, and my father is someone I have uh, basically got the inspiration on, on survival and persistence. I probably want to talk to him a little bit more uh, than I did, even though I talked to him a good bit, but the book is dedicated to him. It's about him. Uh, and so I just want to see his viewpoint on things. He, and just even if he says, don't do it, don't do it, I'd probably still do it. And uh, But I, I just want to just to talk to him. Um I'd like to talk to like the most decorated combat veteran that there is living today, whoever that is, or maybe someone in the past that was living and just hear stories. My book is stories and it's, uh, that's how I pass things down. I see various storytelling, which we've been doing today on the podcast. And, uh, I enjoy hearing other people's stories and, um, that's, those are two people. Yeah. I got you. Have you ever thought about having your own podcast for other veterans? You know, I, there are some people that have suggested that to me, and I've thought about it. I am right now just been a guest, and I haven't 
I haven't done that. Uh, someone has uh, volunteered to help me set up something like that. And uh, uh, right now I'm just into just practicing being the guest and uh, not being the podcaster. Uh, but no, I, I, I have thought about it because people have suggested that to me. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. I think I've had like two, two people on the podcast, no, three people now on the podcast talk about really wanting to help out the veteran suicide rate that is so high. And mm-hmm. then um, I know another guy who also wants to help out and I'm just trying to figure out a way to connect all of these people to like make something pop off that really can gain some momentum because uh, they all, all of them have like kind of profitable business ideas that they could pour profits into a nonprofit type of vibe. Um, but anyway, just- I, I, I would think that would be very successful. There's a whole lot of nonprofits out there that are not podcasts, but they're just organizations that are trying to get veterans out and to speak. And uh, a lot of podcasting could be a form of therapy for them just to tell them their story. I know the book has been for me and to tell these stories and to feel that I'm actually listened to by a live person. There is a type of a, uh, uh, an expunging process uh, and it helps you, it helps clean you a little bit out there. And so I think there should be a a need for something like that. Yeah. Really cool. Really cool. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And the first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Oh, my book. Um, book. I was on a veterans. Uh, uh, I was on a podcast for veterans, and it was called Hazard Ground. And that was uh, an, an amazing. He was a veteran himself, and he was a full colonel in the National Guard. And that was a heck. I didn't I didn't meet this podcaster through Podmatch like we did. I just went out freelancing on my own, not only to him, but I said, who are the top military podcasters? And I just picked I just threw stuff out, a a bunch of them. And he happened to come back and get me. And I I was very surprised. And I was and I thought I would. He says, I didn't think I made it onto his podcasting because at the end of the show, he said, "Okay, we're through. Bye. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, <laughs> I was like, okay. And I said, well, that was gone. But in my mind, you talk about planning. In my mind, I felt that I failed and that I was going to come back a year later and I'm going to ask him again when I'm better. And, but he took me. I said, I, I, and he didn't notify me, and, uh, but I was happy about it because I was just looking on my YouTube podcast. And I said, there I am on a show. I <laughs> thought I failed it. And I'm thinking, I, and I have it on my calendar to contact him back in a year to say, Hey, let's try again. But yeah. uh, I didn't have, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. Now that's the first question. I, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We can just, we can just leave it with a podcast. That's good. Okay. <laughs> and what's, good. what's one way you like to take care of yourself? Oh, I talked about that uh, every day. I have to get up and go to the gym. Uh, and I, that's if I don't go to the gym and work out or do something outside uh, of the computer, I don't feel good. I mean, I don't feel that good. And I need to do that. I need to go elliptical, walk the dog, maybe do some wind sprints or uh, go, like I said, go to the sauna. And uh, that just makes me feel uh, the better part of the day. Yeah, that's what I got to do. Yeah. Jason, you be sprinting? Oh yeah, I was I was sprinting out this morning, and um, now I mean the big sprinting just like it just gets it all out there, and so I'll just uh, get a block or two, and I'll just do sprint wind sprints, and uh, so yeah, that's what I do. I do wind sprints. (laughs) Really cool. cool. And what is one action step you can take right now, or continue to take if you're already doing it too, 
meet the most decorated combat veteran that they're oh, in gosh. Today. Wow, that would probably be getting more connected if I can to other veterans and other veterans groups. I know in Texas, they've got uh, Marcus Luttrell. He's, I think he's the owner and the founder of Lone Survivor, uh, which is a group uh, dedicated to post-traumatic stress folks, folks with PTSD. Um, he's in Texas. It'd be great to contact or to talk to him. I've got his, I've read his book. I saw it on a movie and uh, even I've actually been to the Lone Survivor program which is a big PTSD program in Houston, Texas. So what's his uh, name? One more time. Marcus Luttrell, uh, Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, Luttrell, L-U-T-T-R-E-L. He, uh, he, 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 he has the movie, he has the book um, and many, his lone survivor. I kind of feel, I got my, my, my book's called a soldier against all odds. And his, his thing is lone survivor, but I don't know. I kind of feel like a lone survivor of my damn self. <laughs> so, oh. yeah. so yeah, it'd be, it probably, he's probably not the most decorated one, but he's definitely up there with uh, a lot of decorations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. We got our last, last section on the podcast. Now this is all about limiting beliefs. If it gets a little too personal for you, you can say I pass and we'll be good to go there, but I doubt it will because you wrote a much more personal book. So <laughs> here we go. What is one limiting belief that continues to pop up in your life, if any? Oh, limiting belief. You've got me on that one. Um, means something that's going to hold you back that you believe that's holding you back. Because I think that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Maybe that I'm not good enough. Maybe that I am not smart enough. Maybe I can't, I am, I don't have the ability intellectually to do something. Uh, that's probably a limiting belief uh, that I have. Uh, and what I've got to constantly remind myself of is I've got three college degrees. And so I've already got the college there and I've figured out how to go through problems, but I still have that limiting belief a little bit. Yeah. And where does that come from? I failed the first grade. I've been identified as a learning uh, disabled person. It's on paper three different times from not just my words, but by other people who are educational psychologists. And so uh, that's kind of that's kind of sets me back a little bit. You know, limiting belief. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How do you feel about the, the labels of learning disabled person? Like, do you feel like they serve a good purpose or we'd be better off without them i think they if you can use it the right way because um i didn't know it at the time but if you can get you don't want to label anybody like you're a dummy but what when you let if you got a sheet of paper i found out later that if you've got something saying you have challenges in education you can get extra time on tests Meaning that, okay, you can't complete the test normally like other people. You take a slower, you're a slower processor, but we can give you extra time. Or maybe if you have a phobia, I don't have a phobia of being around other students, but if that was your phobia, they can give you extra time to do it alone or maybe in a, in a different setting than a normal classroom. So you can get the sheet of paper and use that to your advantage. I didn't know it. I didn't, I never did it until I was later on in my late third, middle thirties. But, um, but I think you don't want to be labeled. My, my, my mother and father didn't make an issue out of it. They just said, you're, you're different. And, um, 
that, uh, you know, you, you're slower. There was not a lot of expectations put on me. I kind of labeled myself for the most part. Yeah. I got you. I got you. And do you have any limiting actions that reinforce this limiting belief? Hmm. I, I have a tendency to stay away from a lot of things that require uh, eye-hand coordination. Uh, again, you know, I got onto this podcast a little earlier because of the technological technological things I have to work through. Uh, and so um, changing light bulbs or tires or cars, there's certain things that I'm not really good at doing and handling the little details and things. If I do it over and over and over, I, I, like, I, I can do it, but it takes me a long time. And so uh, I don't want to end up blowing up cars and trying to work on spark plugs and things like that. So there's certain things I have a tendency to stay away from because I know from experience, I'm not good at. You know, so. I got you. I got you. If you were to change that limiting belief into an abundant phrase that really spoke to your heart in the way that you needed to hear it, what would that phrase be? can do it. I can do anything. I can do it. I can do anything. And um, so you can, you can do a self-talk to yourself. I can make it. I got it. I got it. I got it. That self-talk will help you go through something, uh, a bad time in your life. I can handle this. I do it. And you have to, but you have to sort of reinforce that in your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we got two more questions for you. When the limiting beliefs start to take over, what thoughts or actions do you resort to in order to kind of reorient yourself, take back control? Is usually, just- yeah. Usually I have to stop everything I'm doing or maybe take a week off or or, 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 or take a walk and get away from wherever I'm at. Um, like this book, this book damn near killed me. I had anxiety attacks on this book, just writing it and looking at it and having flashbacks. And even though it put me in the hospital, I just some there's times where I just said, I'm going to hold off on it now, maybe a week, maybe a month, and I'm going to come back to it. And so that's the step you do. Sometimes you just go away, clear your mind, allow something to get out and then come back to it. That's kind of my technique on that. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. One last question for you. What is your favorite belief about yourself? Oh, my favorite belief is what my father said when he, when, so my father, when he died, he had, he knew he was dying and he wrote down a little, he wrote down a letter describing each of his children and grandchildren in a, like a paragraph. He couldn't write, but he had somebody else write while he was in his bed dying. And he said that I was solid and that I was a survivor. And, uh, that's kind of what I really take away from that question is that my dad's writing. He pretty much, he, he was pretty much right on that. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Well, Jason, that's all we got for you, man. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Oh, well, no, I'm just honored to be on your show. I'm thankful that you uh, brought me on and living the dream, living the dream. I'll tell you what, that's what my soldiers. Uh, so, uh, you know, that, that, that title got me because when I was in Afghanistan, um, you know, as in the, the military people give you the greeting of the day like uh, you wake up in the morning you get up you go somewhere good morning sir how are you doing hey i'm doing fine doing good doing fine and then after a while it got old and, I, and they said hey sir how you doing living the dream and, and they love that as i said living the dream and then i said that to one person living the dream and she he says are you sure this is not a goddamn nightmare or something? Because we were in Afghanistan and yeah. I got a kick, I, I got, I got a kick out of that. But, um, 
no, that's all I got. And uh, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah, of course, Jason. Love that story. Uh, it yeah. makes the makes the title of my podcast that much better. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I like that that story is there now. Well, cool, man. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks awesome. For being here. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Jason had to say, make sure to check him out, buy a copy of his book, review it, buy a copy for a friend and send it to him. All the links to do so to check him out will be down in the show notes. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And on that note, we're out. Hey there. Thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a review and send it to a friend. Don't forget, head over to workwithtimmydouglas.com to get your list of life-changing questions and our free book, Impact Ignition, Live a Purposeful Life. See you tomorrow for another show.